Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, Norbert, Sykes, Jackson. I'm Tamales and Smell. We're on the board. SB Futures down 10 and a quarter. And the SA Futures down 34. But they were up huge yesterday. It was a really big tech-led rally. We're back in the... Back in the days of uh, a lot of the stocks, including the transportation average, are getting clobbered pretty good. And uh, all of a sudden, you have the five or six big stocks just up, up, up. We went through that on several occasions. Went through it again yesterday. Not went through it, but observed it. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well this morning, Chief. How are you doing? You're doing all right. Doing all right. I, uh, we uh, Good thing we have Maddie this morning. There's all, all kinds of sports, all kinds of football trades and interesting stuff going on. I, uh, I don't begin to. Uh, did you watch the game? I did not watch the game. I had we were out at dinner with some friends, and by the time we got home, it was it was kind of late, so I didn't turn the game on. And I had heard there was a fifteen point difference at half, so I figured, well, it's not going to be much of a game in the second half. Little did I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, well, Kansas did the kind of the same thing with what game was it? It wasn't the game against they, they led the whole way against the. They dominated Villanova yeah. for the most part in the Final Four, but it, yeah, the Elite Eight game against Miami. Miami yeah. actually had a six-point lead at the half and really looked like the better team in the first half. They were kind of mucked up the game and, and really played physical. And uh, Kansas looked like they were in trouble. And then Kansas, I think, won the second half by like 30 points and ended up beating Miami by 20-plus points. Um, it, very similar uh, last night. Now, they didn't you know pull away by 20-plus points, but they were down 15, couldn't do anything against uh, North Carolina. And, uh, and, and, and within what, six, seven minutes in the second half, the game was tied. I mean, they just stormed back and then it was kind of back and forth for the final, you know, 10, 11 minutes. But yeah, Kansas, uh, certainly deserved it. Uh, North Carolina played really well in stretches, but, but then had, you know, big time scoring droughts and, uh, the under hit. So I was happy about that. And, uh, North Carolina, despite blowing the 15-point lead, still covered the four-point spread for those that care about those things. <laughs> one of the... Uh, well, All the important things in life. <laughs> one of, the, one of the, the dudes I was talking to uh, last night was telling me that, that the, the last eight, out of the last ten years, the overs won eight times. Was the, one of them, something's been a, been a streak in one of them. I thought it was the over. The last ten championship games or something, the overs won like every time or darn every time. Really? I mean, it was it was yeah it was it was you know you can't I said well you can't really bet on that it's just just sort of a it's like saying the market was up five days out of seven does that mean it's gone up today who knows we'll let you, let you know at the close right yeah I always those trends I I think I think those trends have some merit when they're actually happening that season but I've never understood when people talk about like twenty of the last twenty two championship games I'm like 
the, those guys 22 years ago are, are like in their 40s now. <laughs> yeah. what, what do they have to do with tonight's game? Well, unless you uh, unless you get some kind of an idea that the people, be, because they score in the two games before, they always score, whatever. I mean, yeah. there's some... Uh, but the Oklahoma, or Oklahoma, Kansas, they... Uh, it's, it's traditional basketball for those, you no know, matter you play all the time. They got a, a guy big enough where you can't, you can't cover him by yourself. So you throw a ball into him. He throws it out to a guy at the three. And if they hit four in a row, all of a sudden it's 12 points. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially with, because they're hitting their long ones are unstoppable because you, you still got to, because otherwise you can't just hang around the perimeter because if they give, give that guy that room in the middle, he just scores. And he's, he's, he's gonna, is he gonna go this year? The uh, center? I don't know. Actually, I'm not super familiar uh, with him, but uh, it was an interesting game by today's sort of modern basketball because uh, it, the, neither team really shot the three that well. Uh, North Carolina was five for 23 from three-point range, which is 21.7%. Kansas was six for 17, which a lot of teams will try and make 17 threes in a game. They only took 17 threes, and they were just six of 17, which is 35%. So uh, it was a, a little bit more of an old-school game, like you said, where they were really throwing it inside and get, trying to get to the foul line and a, a lot of uh, a lot of inside play, whereas, you know, typical modern basketball, it's it's outside in. Well, the other thing I found interesting about the whole tournament was the number of upperclassmen compared to the last few years. Because of the COVID and the six-year rule, a lot of teams had more upperclassmen than usual. Absolutely, and I think it, I think it uh, led to a better quality of play because of that. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, not that the freshmen aren't talented because they obviously are. They're really talented, the one and done type guys uh, that we're seeing on a lot of the elite teams. Uh, but uh, having some sophomores and juniors, and even some seniors and super seniors along with them, uh, they don't fold under the pressure typically, and you see a little bit better quality of play. I don't. Uh, Kevin's been sending me stuff from about the Irish, and of course, we'll probably talk about it a little bit tomorrow. Not that we care about the Irish that much, but. That freshman in Notre Dame is declaring for the draft. The kid's not that good. He, he needs at least two more a year. Well, it's, there's there's different levels of declaring for the draft. Is he actually did he actually hire an agent and he's he's gone, or uh, did he is he just going through the process? Because there's a lot of guys that uh, have no interest at all in actually leaving that that go through the process because the NBA scouts will kind of run them through whatever combine they do and then tell them exactly you know here's what we think you need to work on, here's how we have you graded. Here's where we slot you in the draft, or or don't slot you at all, and then you take that information, and then you have sort of all off season to kind of work on those weaknesses, and I, I, that's a lot different than actually hiring an agent and and losing your eligibility. Well, the guy that I saw in the Texas Tech game, which they could have won, turned a ball ball over like the last three times he had it and missed his last four shots or something. Now he now he thinks he's a pro. Well, I also I also uh, push back on that argument to a certain extent anyway because when people say he's not ready for the pros or he needs to work on his game you work on your game more as a pro than you do as a college player so if you really need to work on your game going pro is your best option because you it's it's all you do it's your full-time job is working on your game you work on your game 10 times more as a pro than you do as a college player well if, if you're playing now you can work on your draft slot if that's what you mean and uh, that that puts you in a higher pay scale in your first contract. 
Uh, but whether you're playing in the game or not, you're you're getting a thousand shots up a day minimum. You ha- you have guys that all you're doing is you're you're waking up in the morning and you're playing basketball all day. There's no class. There's no limited practice schedule like the NCAA has all these rules where you can only meet certain times of the year and all that stuff. Uh, so you you really actually get better as a pro, not as a college. Player. Well, but your 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 game time if you're at the end of the bench, you're right. You get to shoot around all day. But I mean, especially if you have people. I've heard pros and cons. I mean, there's, there's, there's people that say you get your best coaching, that, you know, some of your best coaching and you're playing in college where you're playing 40 minutes a game. And it's like how many years, if the kid's not ready, how many years is it going to be before he's playing 40 minutes? There's no doubt that. Well, there's also a different quality of the, of the players that you're with when you're practicing in the pros versus your, your college team. I mean, even the, even the good college teams don't have the talent level that you have even on the worst pro team. Yeah, exactly. The, what you're missing out on, I mean, you're both right. Chief's right. You're missing out on game experience. There's no doubt about that. And that is valuable. Uh, if you're, if you're not ready to play at the pro level and you're sitting on the bench, you are missing on the game experience that you get at the college level. But to think that, you know, guys get better by staying in college, that's just, there's no way they get better by staying well, in college. Well, you know, I think it's better. I'll just I, know, and I, I don't mean they don't get better. You can get better staying in college, but but to say you you won't wouldn't get just as better if not more going pro, I disagree. I think you're uh, you're becoming more right, Maddie. When when it first started, when people went early, all you heard about was guys saying between the travel and all the other stuff that the, the, the coaches did not have time to really teach the guy at the end of the bench. Right. You know, they, they were over that. But now I think with the developmental stuff and everything else that they put into pro. I think it's a lot better. So I think there is time, like you're saying, to do that. But you, I mean, uh, the guys that came out, the high school kids, uh, the guys like the Chandler and those kind of guys, I don't think they learned anything. Right, those the first few years. No developmental league. So yeah. if you if you were buried on the bench today, they just send you down to the minor league team and you play the whole game against other pros. Yeah. And um, not you know, like you're saying, back back in those days, if you weren't good enough, you might just rot on the bench. And then, yeah, you factor in that they, today you have to be one year out of high school, so you're one year more mature than you were straight out of high school. I mean, the, yeah, it's a little different now. But this 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 specific kid at Notre Dame, if you look at him, you say he's got bundles of talent, and in a year he's going to be like really good. But now he's I mean, it's, it's, he's not there yet. He's just not there. I mean, that doesn't mean nobody won't take him. I agree with that. But the most interesting part is already, there's already three of the girls in the transfer portal. Isn't it, when when people go to school now, do you do you not make friends? Do you not like where you are? Do you, it's all about so, going someplace else and starting. Well, I, yeah. that's like that kid who was on Miami, Charlie Moore, from um, who went to Morgan Park High School. He was on his fourth college team uh, when when he was in the in the playoffs. And two years at DePaul, a year at Kansas, a year at Cal, was it? And uh, and now at Miami. And, and uh, I mean, now he's done. But just bouncing around, it, it really is. It really is odd, and I think that has less consistency and less ability to learn how to play when you're bouncing around from different coaches and different teams with different philosophies and different coaching skills. Well, one of Audrey's friends has a, well, she got two nieces, and uh, both of them played uh, volleyball at Maris, and one of them was, I don't know, got a shoulder mat, which she can't play anymore. But uh, one of her friends um, is going, was going to some school on a volleyball scholarship, so... Audrey's friends driving around. You know what? What do ladies do? They were shopping and doing lunch. Brendan, that's <laughs> the three of them. So she, really? Yeah, they were, yeah, really. Imagine that. And uh, so the one girl goes, uh, "Well, you know, if I'm not starting, like I'm leaving." <laughs> Audrey's friend, "You're not even there yet. You're leaving." 
<laughs> what if you make friends? What if you like the place? Well, if I'm not starting, I believe it. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're talking about a different world, eh? When you're not even there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, what do you make of uh, this Amazon? I want to ask you two things. I want to talk about this, this yield curve, which I think is, I think when you, when you have to talk uh, it's 18 hours a day on these news channels, I don't see this thing. I mean, I mean, you've you've done some economic stuff. I know this yield curve is technically. I'm looking at the. the this is yesterday. Rose don't know what I'm talking about. The yield curve is the as you as you look at the Treasury rates going out. Um, if they say they're inverted, uh, and, you know, an inverted yield curve in, in our day, Brendan meant in uh, in 19 you know 78. The near term inflation was you know 12 or 13 percent. So. The, the, the six month, one year money was 15% and the 30 year money was like 12 or 11 or 10 because people figured that we weren't going to have inflation that long. You know, we'd figure out how to fix it somewhere in the next 30 years. So that would be, I consider a real yield curve inverted. But here, I mean, <clears throat> with the amount of, uh, lip smacking this is getting, I'll just let, let you know what the yield curve is today. Uh, one month point eight, which is really unbelievable. We're talking about, do you believe how much people are talking about the Fed, how harsh they're, they're, they're becoming or they're talking about? The one month yield is 0.18. Really? Brennan, I got, no matter what definition, no matter how much you want to argue with me, you can't say that that's, that that's, uh, uh, hawkish. That's not realistic at all. No. Two months is 0.42, three month 0.46, six month 1.14, one year 1.72, two year 2.43, so, you know, where is this big inversion? Three-year, 2.63. Now, here, here's your inversion. Somewhere between the three-year, the five-year is 2.56, so it's five basis points difference. The seven-year is 2.52. Now, neither the three-year nor the seven-year trade for squat, right? So, five-year trades. Ten-year is 2.42, so there's a minor inversion in the real stuff between the five-year and the ten-year, but 14 basis points. 20-year is 2.46, and the 30-year is a little lower, 2.48. There's a few anomalies on there, but would you begin to describe that as an inverted yield curve? No, I wouldn't. I mean, because I remember the days that you're talking about when there was a huge spread of three, four points. Yeah. Yeah. But you look at where the interest rates were overall, and they were a lot higher, so there was a lot more of a spread inversion. I think that your point is that the the rates should be higher right now, uh, and that would cause a higher inversion because if you look at what's going to happen in the next couple of years, they have to get it under control, and uh, I, you know, I think it's it's perfectly logical from our standpoint, yours and mine, that it should be uh, much higher in the interim. Well, right. I mean, I, I mean, as, as, as a guy who hangs out in, in high end society with your, your your pinky up with your glass in the restaurant, what what are what is society, if ever, when are people going to look at a at a one point one four rate for six months when the inflation right now is. You give your, your, your somebody some money for six months, and he gives it back to you. He's like giving you ninety five hours back in six months. How, why does why is anybody doing that, Brennan? I mean, I know the Fed is leaning all over the place with nine trillion dollars worth of stuff, but even so, the, the recognition of, of what a horrible trade that is just isn't there. I, I, and why? Why? I can't explain it. I, I agree with you. It doesn't make any sense at all because with the with the place the way it is right now. It, 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 if you're going to generate some kind of investment policy, I mean, you really have to give something back. You can't lose. Now, it's almost like negative interest rates were a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's really silly. Well, there's a, I listen to the news radio when I'm driving around the car, and 
there's a, I don't know if you guys can remember who this is, I guess it doesn't matter who it is, but there's this big labor thing going on. Uh, I don't think it's teachers, it's some other some other group. And they're demanding uh, 6% a, ray, a year raise over the next three years, and the company or the city, whoever the hell it is, is offering them three. Uh, Brandon, what, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> what, what, is, what does 6% get you when the inflation rate's 10 without a, without a cost-of-living bumper? At the end of three years, you're going to be down. I mean, what, what, I mean, who's negotiating that? Some some moron? <laughs> you're, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Now, especially if you're talking about, and, and I don't remember who that is. At this, I know Amazon was on strike for. Yeah, well, I want you to comment on that too about the the union winning down in. Uh, is it? Is it? Uh, it's in New York, right? Uh, I think New York, and they're going again for a vote in Alabama. I think it was voted down in Alabama. And I think they're coming back for another vote <clears throat> pretty soon. And I do think it was New York where they, where Amazon uh, workers passed the, the union vote. Yeah, I think the name of the union is the New York Amazon Union or something. Something you know, not not very catchy. What uh, I was reading yesterday, I should have the article for it. If I'm going to talk about it. Uh, maybe I do right here. We're talking about what, what, um, how much Amazon can delay this. Any kind of negotiations or any kind of contract talks and everything, and it's a. Uh, how's this? You think they went out to a, a marketing firm for this? The Amazon Labor Union. <laughs> well, you know, any company can can um, can delay a unionized vote by giving a, a good employee package plan in the way of salaries and benefits without going through the union. Now, I'm not saying that it would be comparable to what many unions negotiate, stronger unions, like um, well, like some of the, the stronger national unions that still have some power. However, if the company wants to really avert it by saying, you know, you're, you're close, you're getting um, 70, 80% of, or more of what uh, you'd negotiate for, and you're not beholden to the union and the corruption of the unions. I mean, that's the arguments that the corporations should make. Uh, and, you know, so you, you, the workers would get Similar benefits, not the exact benefits of a, of a union package, but you know that's a way for the companies to avoid unionization. Well, they're, they're talking about the guy who uh, read this. The name of it's the ALU, the Amazon Labor Union, led by a guy named Christian Smalls. He was a manager who was fired after the company claimed he violated social distancing rules. What the hell is that all about? Uh, but they're saying that the contract talks could start soon, but it says, but don't bet on it. It says Amazon will delay this labor lawyer at the Weinberg Roger and Rosenfeld. Is that one of your outfits? Lecture of the University of California at Berkeley. They're not going to walk in and do the right thing because that will encourage organizing everywhere else. They'll do everything they can to avoid a contract. It'll be a big, long, nasty fight. Um, it's a, the, uh, it normally takes 409 Days for CBAs to be to be signed between employers and their newly unionized workers. So they're is that a year and a quarter away, a year and a year and a month away, and that's the average. Mm-hmm. So the Amazon uh, unlimited resources to hire the top lawyers. You know, six thousand people work at this facility. That's a lot. It's like their largest fulfillment facility. It's in Staten Island. Um, I would think you know Staten Island. Don't you have to get there by like one or two bridges? It seemed like that would be an odd spot to have a fulfillment facility, wouldn't it? It would, but you know, it could be something like Goose Island here, where they're it's surrounded by water, and, and you've got to take um, 
I mean, there, there are bridges over to Goose Island here. But um, Staten Island, I do believe, is completely surrounded by water. I don't know if there are any bridges. Like, well, there, there may be some bridges, but it is it is pretty isolated out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, anyway, but it's 6,000 people. Um, speaking of uh, labor, did you guys, uh, before I picked up Maddie this morning, remember the the, the uh, metal shredding place that, uh, in our neighborhood, Maddie? General Iron. Yeah, they... they they shut down. They want to go back to Lincoln Park. They want to go back down the street to you. They miss you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I this whole concept, you, you drive around the city, all you do, might as well give the, somewhat of the whole story. General Iron had a uh, metal uh, re- recycling facility, for lack of a better term, right, Brendan? And uh, every morning, all the guys would pick up stuff in the alley. It would all be lined up. And I guess it threw off some pollution. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, I, you know, I don't have an air tester with me. But, of course, the people in Lincoln Park are outraged at any sort of manufacturing thing anywhere near them. Of course, the thing's been there for, what, 100 years? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so, you know, at some point you get this idea that there's no house anywhere near the place within, what, half a mile at least. So the city mm-hmm. says, okay, no mass. We're, we're shutting you down here, and we'll give you the spot on the south side. Now, the south side along the, and along the Stevenson, there's, there's spots in the south side where you could shoot a gun off and not have a chance of hitting anybody, right? So you would think somewhere in this city that there's a spot for a recycler. You would, you know, you would think, uh, because of course everybody wants everything recycled because we're we're all you know we're all uh, uh, save the planet people, right? But we don't want to save them in our backyard necessarily. So they put up this facility on the southwest side, southeast side, and all of a sudden the people who live in the area uh, get a hair up their behind that. Wait a minute! You're, you're you're taking it out of a white area where white people don't want it, and you're putting it in a black area. No, we don't want it too. Well, does anybody live near the place? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what to. Yeah. So all of a sudden, the thing is like done, and they and they won't give them the permit to start up. So now they say, no, you can't be here either after the first one closed. Now, does anybody think that there doesn't need to be a recycling plant somewhere in the city, Brennan? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I agree that I think everybody would agree that a recycling plant is good for. The environment. I mean, certainly that's been the the whole idea behind General Iron for years and years. Um, and I do think there's a bigger problem with the city at this point saying no, you can't do that. It's, it's bowing to political pressure. It seems like they're bowing to political pressure from the neighborhoods on the southeast side. <clears throat> and arguably, that was what they were doing uh, by getting them out of Lincoln Park, is moving away from a, a, a upscale white neighborhood. Because when that was first built. 50, 100 years ago, uh, that part of the city was not a very upscale part. <laughs> no. So it's only been the last 30 years or so that that area uh, has really developed into an upscale part because you're, you're really close to to Bucktown and, uh, and the Lincoln Park area, which has undergone tremendous change in the last 30 to 40 years. Um, so it does seem like they're moving, when the city is forcing them to move to another part of the city, that is predominantly lower economic scale and, coincidentally, uh, people of color. And so, but the city has a hard chore right now. I mean, I think if they were if they were sued, if they are being sued, that um, <clears throat> the detrimental reliance of General Iron to move there, do everything that the city has said they had to do in order to get the permit, all of a sudden pulling it out from under the, the, their feet at the very end, is a hard argument for the city to make and to win. You know, this is one of those things that uh, if they had made the same decision three years ago before General Iron started building a facility and going down that road, they'd have a better argument. 
but now, you know, when you keep giving them uh, guidance along the way and telling them what they have to do and they meet those standards, it's very hard at the end to pull the plug and say, whoop, sorry, just kidding. Well, I'm not, I don't understand why, you know, if, if you drive to Stevenson like I do a lot, the area between the Stevenson and the river is absolutely, it's either a, a couple of factories or, or naked nothing. There's nobody lives anywhere near there. There's all kinds of spots in the city. You could put someplace nobody even know was there. I mean, uh, you know, assume go off the Bishop Fort, go off the Bishop Fort yeah. around 117th, 127th, and the lakefront. Well, right, yeah, I'm saying any, anywhere around the old dump out there, anywhere around the old Pullman plant. I mean, where the, where is, what's the old uh, Pittsburgh Paint Place or uh, not Pittsburgh? Sherman Williams. Sherman's Williams. Uh, the, I mean, one one thing we have in this city, unfortunately, is is vacant area to do something with. I mean, oh God, just just drive around. It looks like it looks like uh, some of the cities in Ukraine, doesn't it? In yeah. some of these areas, I mean, for God's sake. Uh, hey, Brendan, real quick, why why what is the mentality? And our, our buddy John Flanagan's been working at it because he loves doing this stuff. What is the mentality of hold, of holding the census stuff private for seventy two years? I mean, it can't be 62 or 52. What's with 72? I, uh, I I don't understand the rationale for that. I, I've seen that. I've read a little bit about it. But I really don't understand the purpose of, of why it took 72 years, uh, other than, you know, arguably a privacy issue for anybody who's alive at that point. It's unlikely they're going to be alive in 72 years. That's not true today, given the life standards of and, uh, and people who are alive now. But back in the 50s, you know, there weren't a lot of people who made it to 70 or 75. Um, so if you were you know, living in the city of Chicago and, and you're in your 20s, you're very unlikely you're going to have anything disclosed that you didn't want disclosed in 72 years. I don't understand any other rationale for it. Well, Jan found uh, my family living at the address that actually was my first address. Uh, I gave them the address, 935 West 50th Street. And sure enough, there was my dad there before they were married, uh, he and my mom, his mother, his sister, and her young son. There's nothing about income, there's nothing about anything. Just uh, all it said was my grandmother came from Ireland and the other three were worked here and he was a policeman. What, mm-hmm. there's no, no income, no, no, no nothing. I mean, what, what, what is so, what, what, what in that, what there has to be guarded for 72 years? What am I missing? I, I can't explain it. I don't know. Well, doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? No, no, it doesn't. What? Uh, but it's a good thing that that's the only thing the government does that doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. What do you? So we got <laughs> you. In, are you here? Are you in Michigan? Uh, I'm here right now in Chicago. All right, bud. We'll take care of yourself. Good, good hearing from you. Uh, good sports. Uh, your White Sox looking. They're their 92 games bid, and the Cubs are 72. Maybe is that we said last week? Uh, yeah, it's moved around a little bit, but yeah, that's that's pretty much accurate. Cubs are in the low to mid seventies over under total. White Sox in the low nineties over under win total. Jeez, well, the Sox have a good time. All right, take care of yourself, uh, Brian. We'll we'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. It's Matt Weber on the board. S&P futures down 10, exactly. Kansas futures down 34, but that's a kind of a pittance of what we were up yesterday, but it's a little bit head south there. Dow futures down 88. Individual stacks in the Dow I don't really have not much action at all here this morning. We've got Salesforce down 164, but other than that, nothing, nobody's down more over or under a buck, so over a buck, so, or up, so it's not, that's not very much. We're in Asia. Rally's here. We've got the Nikkei up uh, 51 points. Uh, that's 0.2%. Uh, Shanghai, uh, these guys are not open. They, they were open on, uh, last day traded was 4-1. Uh, so that was what, last Friday. Uh, so they, they, Hang Seng, however, is, uh, mainland China is closed. So Hang Seng is open up 462. That's, uh, 2%. The, uh, uh, they keep going back and forth with our, our movements and these Chinese high-tech stocks, the Baidu's in the world, or whether they're, it's thrown out of business, thrown out off the New York Stock Exchange, then they're back, and it's been back and forth, back and forth. 
I mean, you're mildly to the downside here, but not much. DAX down 85, that's 0.6%. FTSE down 14.2%. CAC around, that's, that's not a bunch. Down 98, 1.5%. Uh, yesterday, just as a review, I keep talking about up. That was only up 103, but the S&P 500 was up 36. NASDAQ is up 271. It's 190, 1.9%. Uh, as, as every big stack, Microsoft, uh, Apple, all those things were all, were all up to the moon yesterday. Tesla, uh, bonds up five basis points to 2.47. As high as we've seen in a little bit. Uh, Bund up five basis points to 0.57. Japan unchanged at 0.21. We've got oil. Uh, 58 cents, 103.86. Remember, we ducked under 100, I think, last Friday. Uh, so it's back up, eh, well, it's up to 103.86. Brent up 60 cents, 108.13. Natural gas up 16 cents, 588. Creeping back towards 6. Uh, again, this is, this is after the winter season, so it's interesting. Our Bob up 2 cents, uh, 322. Gold down about 30, but still right in this range, 1932.70. Silver up 23 cents, 2482. Copper up 3 cents, 481. We've got Bitcoin up 789 to 46,647 near the top of the range it's been recently. Matty, what do you got for us? Traffic Weather Sports. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a dense fog advisory uh, in effect right now. You can barely see out the window here downtown. Not affecting any of the expressway travel times as of yet, but uh, if this hangs around uh, for the uh, morning commute as that starts to pick up, could cause some solid traffic, so keep that in mind because it is very dense. It's the densest fog I've seen in, in quite a while uh, looking out the window here. Uh, but that should uh, fade uh, a little bit later this morning. Uh, again, not affecting traffic yet. In fact, we have no accidents uh, or significant delays to report in the area at all. We do have a three-story structure fire uh, on the south side that has Indiana Avenue between 59th and 56th Street closed uh, with a, a fire uh, in that building there, and that's uh, the only closure that I'm seeing on the screen. So a quiet start to traffic, but we have that fire on the south side, and we have lots of fog in the area, so uh, it, that could change uh, rapidly. Weather today, overcast and foggy early, and then we'll have some rain tonight, uh, beginning in the evening and overnight, a high of 48. Right now it's overcast and 41 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 93 today. Right now it's clear and 67. In sports, uh, the college hoop season came to an end last night as Kansas rallied back from a 15-point halftime deficit to top North Carolina, 72-69 to was the final in that one. Bill Self's second national championship. NBA basketball took the night off last night to uh, showcase college hoops. Uh, NBA is back tonight for their final stretch here before the playoffs. Bulls host Milwaukee at 7 p.m. at the United Center. Suns host the Lakers, 7.30 p.m. Arizona time. Hockey was in action last night. Blackhawks were off. They don't return to the ice until Thursday when Seattle comes to town. But the Coyotes played. They were blown out by the Blues, 5-1. to one. Chief. Joe, Joe, how are you, buddy? It's been a while. Oh, my gosh, Chief. Two weeks. I'm having my stocks and jocks withdrawals. How the hell you Well, doing? I've been having my Joel withdrawal. <laughs> It's hard to, hard to find anybody exactly like you, if you know what I mean. Well, so what's going on? Uh, Maddie's a dad, so yeah. uh, they call you uh, Uncle Tom. <laughs> um, pretty much. You know what? The, the little ones, she's, I haven't seen her, but I've seen pictures. She's cute as hell. I mean, uh, oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure she's a, man, a pain sometimes, but, but Maddie's the guy. He's got the dog. The dog likes the kid. Everybody likes everybody. It's, you know, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you? What do you want to talk about? Um, what are, are you one of the people? Now, are you one of the people that the 
that the government, even though they're allegedly freezing all these Russian uh, funds here so they can't pay their bills, they say they're letting them be paid on a case-by-case basis. Does that mean you're getting your check? I, no, because I don't want rubles. I don't want rubles. Um, I I have not heard that, so I'll take your word for it. Uh, but that that's certainly uh, that's certainly uh, not a, not showing a sign of strength if we are doing that. Uh, the, the biggest thing that concerns me, I mean, obviously uh, the fighting and the deaths and whatever's going on with civilians. Um, is, uh, you know, originally, uh, when the war broke out, uh, there was a big spike in the dollar, you know, versus the ruble, like a big spike. And, uh, it's come back in. Um, it's come back in. So I, you know, I've taught, maybe not with you guys over the last couple of weeks, but this is an economic war and, uh, amongst other things, an energy war and economic war. So, I like to see continued strength in the dollar against the ruble, uh, but um, or at least hold steady. I guess that would be, I, I guess, hold steady but not lose ground. Uh, when, when they say that they want to get paid on their their oil and rubles, how exactly does somebody get rubles? You got to buy them from the Russians, right? I mean, so you're still giving them dollars. Yeah, I mean, a country that's you know uh, the GDP is the size of uh, you know the state uh, of Texas. Uh, you know, they're they're trying to run the show, and, um, you know, they're definitely making waves. It's not going to be, you know, one thing with, uh, you know, with COVID. It, you could look at it and talk about it and say, you know, hopefully there'll be a, you know, a medical cure or it will run its course. Uh, with this, you know, the thing that's worrisome is, you know, there really is no solution. Um, and it's something that could drag on for a very long time. So... Uh, so far, I mean, it hasn't really bothered the markets, Chief. I mean, yeah, we're off all-time highs. Uh, we had that rally a couple weeks ago. It looked like we were really going to break down. But, you know, as as usual, uh, coming out of an expiration, uh, you had a strong move up. And uh looks like right now, as we speak, uh, we're holding a majority of those gains from, uh, you know, from that big rally. So, Mr. Market doesn't care yet. Well, I, I, I uh, as you know, I'm very sour in the whole the, the way this whole thing is happening because I, not because the market's up. Obviously, that's 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 not having me sour. A lot of my all my clients are along, but I right. there, there's this two step that the Fed has decided to have everybody talk about what they're going to do, and they've done nothing. And every single day they don't do anything. Inflation gets worse, and people get hurt. And yet, if, if I mean, they you can say I mean I, whatever. In my opinion. You can say what you want, but if you gave you gave Jerome Powell, you put a light in his eye and say, uh, which would you rather have, 15% inflation or the market go down before this upcoming election? I think they're they're still way worried on the market going down than they are about the inflation. And I and I think that's a, a mistake that is really going to hurt us for a decade. And, I, boy, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think with the market, you know, with this recent rally, I think it's going to give them a more, little bit more latitude, and I, I think they, you know, if if you're if what you're saying is correct, uh, you know, with the market having a nice rally up here, then you know it's they'll, they'll go a half and they'll get a little bit more aggressive. Uh, they were late and they turned, and let's just hope it's not too late. But uh, 
Fed funds rates, you know, figuring in a half percent, get a couple half percenters in there, uh, see how the numbers come out. But, you know, as the market's staying up here, I think that will give them more latitude to be a little bit more aggressive on uh, the rate hikes. Well, the guy came out of the last meeting, and all everybody talked about was how hawkish he sounded. The market started going down, bonds started going down, rates started to go up, and, and they put $52 billion on the balance sheet in the next two weeks. Market turned around. Bonds are actually up from when they when they made the statement. Yep. Now, I'm not saying you should be able to listen to. I mean, I, I mean I've been around the markets longer than that. You know, you can't listen to the TV and say, "Gee, these guys are going to raise rates." So all I got to do is short the bonds, and I'll be a millionaire next week. We, we know it's not that simple, Joel. <laughs> I mean, it's but but it, but it's also amazingly counterintuitive that I've had to listen eight hours a day for four weeks and how hawkish these guys are going to be. And I just I just picked up the. You know the the over the the, the, the one month rate and it's point one eight. I mean, really? <laughs> that's that's not very hawkish. Yeah, I mean, you got you got people, uh, people going the other way cheap with the inverted yield curve, and you know they're already going. You know, they'd be going too fast to uh, to the inflation and turn us into a recession. Um, two things right now before I go that um, that are overall concerning with me in the market, not uh, not going to talk levels in the S&Ps or interest rates. Um, the, house, the housing stocks are usually a leading indicator of the markets. Uh, these housing stocks are not looking good. Uh, the XHB, there's everything going against them, rising rates, uh, you know, interest rates, inflation, bigger builder inputs, higher prices. That, that concerns me. And then the other thing that concerns me is the way the banks are trading. I mean, yeah. the banks are trading more like we're going into a recession than uh, that they're going to benefit from, you know, higher interest rates. So those are two things I'm keeping an eye on, Chief, and a little bit concerning to me. So, right, as long as those five stacks keep going up like they did yesterday, we're all okay. You got it, baby. Take care right, of yourself. We'll talk sports next time. All right, take care. SP Futures down six and a quarter, coming back up. As a future's down 20, back, Mr. Kenny Paul Curry. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Can buy me love, 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 but uh, how are you, Kenny? I'm good. How are you? All right. Mr. Weber just gave his most accurate weather report ever. He looked out the window, and we can't see across the street, and he says it's foggy. We know it's foggy. We, <laughs> yeah. There's no, no chance of him being wrong on that one. Well, he's, he's probably a little bit foggy, too, after having just had his first child, so I'm sure he's yeah. up at all hours of the night, as you and I both know. He's, he's hanging in there pretty good. I'll say that for him. Looks looks good. good looks in him. shape. and. uh and uh, sends a, I get a picture once in a while, and uh, you just power through. Yeah, you just, uh, <laughs> you just power through. Well, you got your buddy Venkman to talk to until you can commiserate. That's at least. right. My my dog uh, was jealous at first, but he's been a, a big help now. The dog will be great. Actually, the dog will be the biggest protector. Yeah, that's right. The uh, you know she'll probably learn to she'll probably learn to walk by grabbing his ears and yanking up, and he'll, he'll be okay with it. <laughs> So Kenny, how are you? Uh, a lot of, do, have you ever uh, ever seen such a? If you don't have a magnifying glass, you can't even see the inversion in this yield curve. And there must have been a million words spoken about it in the last four days. Do they have nothing else to talk about, or what? They are, and it's inverting across the spectrum. Right, the twos and the tens, the fives and the thirties, they're all inverting. The only one that's not inverting is the tens and thirties. So now they're focused on that because that's not inverted. Yet the other ones are, so now they're trying to redirect the conversation. Oh, look, it's not really inverted yet because the tens and thirties are still okay, so nothing to worry about, right? Yet two weeks ago, it was all about, oh, my God, the twos and tens are inverted. Here we go, right? As if this recession is going to happen the next day. It's not. It's at least 8 to 18 months away if it even happens. And so, therefore, to create all this hysteria over the yield curves inverting and the recession is coming is a little bit premature, right? Okay, great. It probably is coming. It's very cyclical. For anyone that thinks that a recession is not coming, you should probably wake up and get out of the pain because it is coming. The depth of it, though, is going to be defined by, you know, how aggressive the Fed has to get in order to tame the inflation and how aggressive they get uh, when they start reducing the $9 trillion balance sheet. That's going to really determine it. Now, look, I guess if it gets really ugly, the Fed can always change course and start to and start to uh, ease up, ease back on policy to try to to try to navigate a soft landing, which I think at this point is going to be impossible anyway. I think it's going to crash, land, um, and I don't think they're going to be able to engineer a soft landing. I, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I just don't see how they're going to do it. Uh, as of yesterday, Kenny, and this comes out every day, if you really want to bore the hell out of yourself, uh, yeah. I got the two-year at 2.43, 
in a 10-year at 2.42. Do you think that's really worth all the talk? No, but no, but right now that's all it was. But last Friday, it was there was a wider there was a wider uh, degree of discrepancy, right? Two point four four to two point three. Right. When they're sitting right on top of each other like that, I don't think it's worth the talk. But when the twos and tens and the fives and thirties start to invert, you know, more substantially, then I think it is worth at least having the conversation so that people don't feel like you know they missed something or that they're not aware of something. Do I think it's a reason to light the place on fire? Absolutely not. But do I think that people should be aware that potentially, you know, whether it's the end of this year or early next year, that, you know, the economy is going to start to slow? It has to. They're taking away all the stimulus that's been there for 12 years, zero rates and, and bond buying and mortgage buying. That, and now that that's stopping, you have to suggest, you have to believe at least that the economy is going to start to slow a little bit. So for anyone to think that it's not going to happen, I think is a little bit, is a, is a little bit um, um, naive. Um, Kenny, when you, in this day and age, we, we, we bandy about the word recession, uh, and you just did. Um, and I got a, I read, I read this book a long time ago. I won at that, not that long ago. No, it was 50 years, right? It was like two years ago. Freedom from Fear by William Kennedy. And, uh, yeah. we, we was talking about the, you know, went all the way through from the Depression to the World War II and talked about, you know, and I got a whole different view of what recession, obviously when I was in school, it was what, two quarters of, uh, of uh, negative growth, and by the way, it had to be certified by by some group that's that's all they do all day is 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 wonder if you're in a recession or not. I'd like to get that job, just get paid to do nothing. But uh, anyway, yeah. uh, the you, uh, but in this book, they talked about different pieces of society, and more that. I mean, and his point was, sixty percent of the people in the in the U.S. were in a recession all during the 1920s. And the entire agricultural community was in a depression the entire twenties. Right. So I sort of right. learned from that to uh, to split off this this term recession, especially when you pour so much money into the system that you can't even tell what the nominal number or the real number is. So I, I'm I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna say that in my opinion, in the last five years, COVID made it worse. Maybe even the last ten years. Maybe I'm going back to 2008. That seventy percent of the population has been in a recession the whole time. That every every year their their buying power got less than the year before. And I'm going to say that uh, I was just talking before you came out about some union here in Chicago. And I should remember the name because I'm talking about them. Is they're trying to get a six percent raise a year over the next three a year for the next three years, and the whoever and they're being offered three percent. Well, I'm going to say that inflation is going to be at least. Eight to nine to ten percent for the next three years, and for the next three right. years, that union, that union is in a recession, and it's all over the place. Yeah, I would agree with you because I do think I agree with you that inflation is going to run high, and uh, and and that you know people are going to feel their problems across the spectrum, right? Um, unless they're able to tame it, and I'm not necessarily sure how aggressive they're going to want to be. You know, I think I think they are going to raise. 50 basis points the next two or at least three times, so that's May, June, and July. But that still only brings us to 1.75%, and inflation is running at better than 8%. Yeah. Right? I'm going to say 10. When did we... When, when did we about this. Back in the 70s when inflation was, was running at 13%, interest rates were 20%. Yeah. Right? Inflation's not running at, say, 10, okay, say it's 10%. Then rates should be probably 12 or 14%, and they're not anywhere near that. Well, just just in terms of how, how does the how does the economic press or the business press 
pick up these new ways of calculating and not even realize how they're being hornswoggled. Your inflation rate is whatever it is the last month or two, or it's the last month times 12. (laughs) That's your inflation rate. It's not the trailing one year. Who cares what happened a year ago? Well, when did that change? Yeah, no, right, but I guess they have to use it as a reference point, right, so that they, so that we understand kind of where we were and where we are in order to be able to, to see where the trend is, right? Although we all know what the trend is because we go to the supermarket every day. So it's clear that we know what the trend is. We knew what the trend was back in mid-2021 when the Fed was playing Dumb and Dumber, when they said, oh, no, 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 yeah. don't worry about it. It's not happening. It's not here. It's all transitory. It's all taking your imagination. And now, suddenly... Oh wow! Maybe we missed the boat on that. We've got to get a little bit more aggressive. You think? Well, Kenny, what uh, we had uh, we had uh, Nancy on yesterday, uh, and she's our, our mortgage expert, and she says that between her and some of the people she knows, in the last three weeks, there's already people who had a commitment letter and a house uh, at you know three point eight or whatever, three point seven five withdrawn, and now that it's five point two, they're withdrawn and they can't. They can't afford a house they just bid at. I mean, it's yeah, a, I'm surprised. I didn't think they could do that. Once you once you were locked in and committed, I didn't think they could cancel the uh, cancel the deal on you. Well, you 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 can't. Everything has an expiration. They're not going to give you a three and a half percent and come back. You come back a year later and have it be good. I mean, there's there's always. Oh a, no 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 no! But if you lock if you lock in a rate, I think you can lock it in for up to ninety days, right? Within uh, that ninety day period, you should be good. I I think I'm not so sure that that's a. Uh, well, how's the bank going to protect himself on that, or the mortgage person? Well, I, 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 I'm not necessarily sure how the bank's going to protect itself, but if you lock in a rate, I mean, if you if you apply for a mortgage, you lock in the rate, you pay to lock in the rate, then then you should lock in the rate. That's what the that's what the contract is, right? You locked in the rate. That was it. They took, you know, everyone made it back because it could have easily gone the other way. You know, I haven't bought I haven't bought a house in so long. If if you get a a commitment letter saying that you're good for is is the rate in the letter? I don't think so. Is uh, it? You know, it's interesting. I'm going to have to look at my letter because I just I locked in my mortgage in early March and it's good until June first, right? At least I paid for the lock until June first, right? Now it's interesting because because I locked in a rate that is less than where they are today. I think you and better be with somebody who. Said, it's funny because I said to my mortgage broker yesterday, I go, "Are you sure I'm okay on this?" He goes, "Yeah, you're fine." Okay, let's see. I've heard of stories where all of a sudden that company got bought out and they don't exist. <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking about the, what, what do they call it? The, when you, if you go to, like, the bid on a house, like, if yeah. everybody's bidding on them now, you, you, you have a, a pre, a, a pre-approval letter. I, I'm not so sure that the pre-approval letter locks in a rate. Uh, no, no, the pre-approval letter doesn't lock in a rate. That's right. It just tells you, you know, at, at, at this price, at this rate, yeah, you would be pre-approved. But if rates suddenly go from 3% where they were to nearly 5%, that pre-approved letter may not be good any longer. Right? Well, I, I think what, I think what's happening to the people she's talking about is is they said you, you, you can buy up to 400000 and here's a pre-approval right. letter. And all of a sudden you right. you, you bid 3999 and they walk back in and go, eh. looks to me like you're, the, the number really should have been 380 now and not, not 400 Right. Well, that's going to be, and that is going to be, start to be a problem in the housing market. But look, I think something else that no one's really talking about a lot yet is what's going to happen to the rates on revolving credit are going to go up. They're already starting to go up. The rates on uh, home equity lines of credit that were, that were tied to, you know, 
they were interest-only loans that were, you know, people thought, oh, great, I could borrow all this money and pay 1.5%, and suddenly that's going to go to 4%, and they're paying interest-only, plus they still have to pay the principal back. They're going to start to get really squeezed. I've, uh, and I, I don't know. I think people are really acknowledging that part uh, enough, because I think that's going to be the next problem. I'm not going to try and uh, weasel some inside information, Daddy, although I, oh, I guess I am. I'm hearing rumors that some of the bigger brokerage firms are giving people personal loans using their houses and assets so they can buy stock. Is that really going um, on? I, I believe, I believe uh, you could do that. I, I thought they were just only giving the loans against, obviously, your stock portfolio. But um, I have heard also the rumor that they are doing that. I cannot confirm it. Um, but it's interesting that you bring that up because that's another. That's going to be another uh, source of, of angst because if the housing market starts to adjust with rates going up, there'll be another. There'll be another. Hey, you owe us more money. Put up more money. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the, the deal was uh, that I heard was they'll lend you money. The house is just an asset, right? It's just a, a, a part of your pool of assets. So it's a personal loan. They don't have to file a lien. Um, and the deal is you can't leave the brokerage firm and, you, and they. The stock has to stay there. In other words, you can't say, you know, I'm leaving to go to Schwab the next right. day or something. And uh, we talk about a way to lock you in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. They do lock you in. Well, one of the my mortgage people told me that they gave a some guy in his 70s took out a second loan on his house and put it all in Bitcoin. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? This is crazy stuff. Okay. What, what do you, what do you, now, that, now, my, I, although I suppose the guy thinks, look, I'm 70, what do I got to <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> what do I got to lose? But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated when I'm reading. But there's so much stuff to talk about, Kenny, in 15 minutes. Uh, the idea that the, that the Russian payments, now they let the 100 million go through three weeks ago, right, to somebody, whether it was BlackRock or Goldman or, or Kenny Polkieri, who knows. But now all of a sudden they're, they say they're to let them through on a case by case basis. If they let through to somebody, how do they let them not through for somebody else? Yeah, no, I hear you. That's, I, how do they? How do they explain that? How are they going to? How are they going to resolve that issue? Right. I think it's uh, who we are up the chain here, huh? You, it's, God, what what a crazy world we're in. Is this is this ever going to settle down, Kenny? Where we can be like normal and talk about sports or what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think anywhere in the near future we're going to be able to settle down and talk about sports, just because I think you know once this starts next month uh, and once we start to get more data, there's a lot of data that's going to be priced in that the market's not. You know, seems to be ignoring it at the moment. I think it's all going to come to root in the next couple of months, which doesn't necessarily mean you know panic and 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 so everything. It just means get ready. By the way, Kevin uh, tweets in here, tweets in or sends me a message that if you have a, a a you paid for a commitment letter like you do, you have yeah. because that's a contract. Everything else is not a contract. If you if you paid for it, and you've got it for now. Commitment letter is a contract. That's yeah. what I said. So so I have you know I get a I I paid. And I locked in my rate till June first, so that's committed. Right. But anything else, the uh, the one that says your pre-approval and all that kind of stuff, that you don't pay for. That no, no, say, the pre-approval. Yeah. I think you're right. The pre-approval is not really a commitment. It just tells you at this rate, at this, at this price, and at this rate, yes, you're approved. But right. if rates suddenly go, like I said, from three percent to five percent, you may not be, you may not qualify. I remember the last time this happened. I don't know why I was if I was buying something or what, but. All these people had these commitments from some outfit, and they're, they're still bidding on houses. And I'm going, how the hell are they doing that? Well, so, somebody, it was, it was, it was, it was Polkari Mortgage. All of a sudden, the next day, it was it was Webby Mortgage, and ah, those are no good. <laughs> we're not the same company. Even they're all the same people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, people, people can be clever, Kenny, or something. <laughs> Just yeah, say it. Anyway, take care of yourself, buddy. Have a good week. Uh, right, SP Futures down 6, NASDAQ Futures down 21. Right back, Mr. Mike Hart. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Welcome back to Stacks and Jackson. I'm Tom Holmes. This is Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down six. NASDAQ Futures down 20. So not all that much much happening here uh, this morning. We were, like I said, we had a big move yesterday. Virtually all in uh, the stocks that, you know, we used to used to go up every day. It was uh, Tesla's, the Google's, the Amazon. They were all, you know, up big money yesterday. I mean, the amount of uh, uh, capital or, I mean, the amount of uh, market cap added by those six stocks yesterday was really up there. And Apple's up like three bucks. Apple's back up to one seventy eight from a a low of one fifty seven uh maybe four weeks ago. I mean that's a that's a big, big shoot up. I mean we're just talking about, you know, billions and billions of dollars being added to the 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 value of these companies on like on like almost a you know, on a one day basis. It's just uh kind of a crazy stuff. And yet when Mike comes on, I won't I won't bore him with these prices, but I was uh for my, you know, protected programs that I uh, that I run for people, and uh, we've been you know we haven't really gotten buried on the call side until recently. Now we are buried a little bit. So we're trying to wiggle our way out of that and, and work our way up. But uh, I mean, it's been a uh, you know we we're, we we sold some calls in the queues uh, at, at the three thirty two level when the queues were like three twenty four. That was three weeks ago. And now it's three sixty eight. I mean, it's a uh, yet 
if you try and look at the the put insurance, um, I'm looking at the SPY. Now the SPY is the S&P 500. It's trading 456, so it's a tenth of value of the S&P. The, the obviously the S&P is 40 4570. This is you know whatever 4560, and this is 4, 456. It's a tenth of the value to Spider. And uh, April 29th, if you go all the way down to the 438s, I mean we're talking those things are trading 250. So we're we're five percent out of the money, and and you know not even a month, and we're talking about two fifty. That's that's a real number. I mean, and we just to give you a uh, a way to uh, point of view on this is, Maddie, how, what, how many do we do it? We did the show for like two years. I'm not sure it was a whole two years, but it was it was close. Eighteen months, two years. Where there there was you didn't have a one percent move in a day, and now these, you know, some of these prices we have these expirations every day. The market is, is sometimes uh, essentially forecasting a percent, percent and a half move, half move like the next day. But this is this is really different from. Uh, and I hope we can find Mike because this is really, really different. I mean, even though the the vol, the VIX, the volatility level has dropped under twenty, where it's like nineteen and a half, a sustained rate of nineteen and a half twenty is really, really high. I mean, uh, it's it's not crash high. It's not. Market going in a crapo high or anything like that, or you know a war, you know a nuclear war high, but it's for a sustained level over months and months and months, it's exceptionally high, because when you when you when you look to insure things, and of course you know people who are in the market, they think the market is 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 different than everything else. Now in a lot of ways everything is different, but it's it's an asset, like a car, like a house, whatever it is. And if you and if you buy something, if you buy uh, an asset, you buy IBM stock, you buy you know uh, Webby Barbecue Company stock, whatever it is, there's a risk to it, like everything else. You buy a house, you have a fire, you could have a hurricane, you could have a hailstorm, you could have fog, like we have today. Although I don't think fog wrecks the place too much. Um, you have all that stuff. So you 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 if you want to lower your risk, you essentially buy insurance, and you can say, okay, well if, if this thing falls apart, I get to. I mean, if I if I wrap my car around a tree and I don't hit somebody else, that's a whole different program. Wrap it around the tree, I get to sell you my car. I get to put that car to you at the at the then market price. That's what you're paying for. You're essentially buying a put on your car. Same thing with your house burns down. They're gonna they're gonna give you a check for a new house or for whatever your your house value is. Now, if you don't make the value high enough, well, then you don't you know you don't get the whole house back, but you get part of it. But the uh, the cost when what most people intelligently do. Is if you go buy a Corvette, and you know a lot of people in the show, maybe even Mr. Weber, can 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 they can handle the price of a Corvette? You know they'll say, okay, it'll be a Corvette's like seventy five. Betty, what does a Corvette cost these days? When the Jeep costs a hundred, good are, question. Are they still under a hundred? I, I, I think I don't know if they're. So let's let's say ninety thousand. Uh, so most people say, eh, 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 I got the ninety. Then you call your insurance guy, and he goes, well, I want ten grand a year, and you go, wait a minute. I mean, well, what, what does everybody seem to know about this car that costs ten, 10 grand a year to to uh, insure? Do I have to do I have to chain it to the curb? Do I have to? Do they still make new Corvettes? They do, right? Yeah, and isn't it mid-engine now? Um, I wouldn't know. Uh, one of my buddies bought the last. Uh, I think he bought the last one off the line, the last old style vet. I think it's I think it's mid-engine or something. I I, I, I have not seen one, Matty, So. I didn't go to the auto show this year, but I, I think they still make them. It says the Corvette Coupe starts at sixty-one thousand. The convertible starts at sixty-eight four. That's the dreaded starts at. Yep. 
And what, and what you're going to learn now that you have the little one, when she gets a little bigger, uh, the worst words in your life are going to be some assembly required. <laughs> well, all the furniture I put together in the last six months. Uh, you're getting better work. at it? I'm, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm getting better at it. I, uh, it all, it's all still standing, so I, I'm, I guess I'm doing a good enough job. But I've always hated doing that, you know, putting together, put together her crib, put together her dresser, put together her bookshelf hung shelves on the wall all this crap that's not hard necessarily but it's just time consuming and then you know some stuff actually the instructions sort of make sense and it's pretty easy to to follow and then some of it you're like what is this hieroglyphics i've remember, <laughs> I remember that uh, remember that picture we put up that your oh yeah your your your, your lovely bride went and got from one of her relatives and the instructions didn't come close to what the picture looked right, like right of course i don't well you know what I, I knew she was a keeper when she didn't divorce you that day and kicked me out <laughs> Because <laughs> she could easily have, I, I mean, she kept. She didn't say a word. She just, and we we were looking like Abbott and Costello oh, there for God. a while until we, until we finally said, "Hey, the hell! With, let's just look at the parts and put it together without even looking at the instructions." Basically, and we did better, and then we did better. But uh, you know, I always, uh, you know, as you know, I used to remodel places, and I was never that good at a lot of stuff, but I was pretty good at some stuff. And I never minded doing it as long as I had all my tools around me. But then when you sit there and go, all right, I needed this and this and this, and where the hell is this one? This one's in the base, but that one's in the garage. I don't know where that one is. Yep. If you don't have your stuff around you, if you're using your fingernail to turn the, the screw, it's it's a bad deal. Yes, you need the proper tools. You need the you need the proper stuff. But I'm saying, that, but just the prices, like uh, to get back to the Corvette, so you're going to look at it and say, the world has decided this thing is is pretty dangerous to own this Corvette. <clears throat> I don't want any part of the ten grand a year. Yet people, when they look at stocks, sometime. They look at the the price of the put, and I'm not saying if you like the company, you shouldn't buy it because, and I'm not saying you should always buy puts either. I mean, depending on your wealth, depending on whatever, I'm saying the the, the price of the option pricing, and I haven't said this for a while on the air, the option pricing is not is not just the price, Mitty. It's an educational tool. I mean, if if you're looking at a, the a cost of fire insurance where you are. Okay, and say you, I don't know what you guys are paying, but say you pay, you know, 500 bucks a year. I'll pick a number out of the year. I don't know what the hell fire insurance is, or it's for the condo association probably does, but say it's 500 a year. And all of a sudden, you and Jill decide to grab a place in, uh, Northern California or someplace, and the fire insurance is five grand a year. And you're gonna say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Obviously, the fire risk here is one hell of a lot greater than it was when I was in Chicago. But it's, it's educational. So when you, but I'm saying when you look at these, these puts in this S&P here, and they're $2.50, you know, uh, essentially $20 out of the money, two weeks from now, three weeks, you, it should, it should, a little light should go off in your brain going, man, the world thinks that this market's a little, a little, I won't say wobbly, but has a potential to move way more than normal. And it's, and it's one thing to say, uh, that th- these people are wrong, or quite another. I mean, I guess you could say that. Maybe they are. Maybe we'll just go straight up to the 29th or something. But to ignore it is is really, I think, somewhat arrogant. You know, you know what I'm saying? Is it, it's funny when you give a seminar to people. First thing I say is, "Well, you did you buy any stock this week?" And somebody will say, "Yeah, I bought you know X Y Z." Well, did you? Uh, why? Where did you think? Yeah. Well, I, I, I you know I was listening to CNBC. I heard Dr. J. I heard you know somebody on the and Stacks and Jacks mentioned they like this stack or whatever, and I bought it. And I, you know, and I said, "Well, where do you think it's going?" Well, it's going straight up. Okay, well, that's fine. I know. But then when you say, "Well, wait a minute, who did you buy it from?" 
What do you mean? I, I just bought it. I bought it from the market. No, you didn't buy it from the market. You bought it from another individual. Somebody sold that to you. The market is just a uh, you know a place where all, all that stuff happens. But you actually bought your hundred shares from whoever from uh, from Kenny Polkari. Really? Well, yeah. And uh, and, and you know the, the stock is going to come from Kenny's account to your account. So I'm going to ask you, what makes you think that two days ago at ten o'clock in the morning that you were smarter than Kenny Polkari? They look at you like you got four heads. And you say, well, what do you mean? I, I, I got my newsletter, I got this, I did my homework, and it's going up. Well, the other guy did the same thing, and he's more than willing to sell it to you. So which one yep. of you is right? I mean, it's just, I mean, when you look at these puts, you, you could say, well, they're not, they're too high, I'm not buying them. Okay, which is fine, as long, as long as you realize they're probably high for a reason, because people are unwilling to sell them as cheap as they used to sell them. And why is that? Now, is it, is it, you know, politics? Is it, is it the Fed? Is it the Ukrainian war? You know, is it global cooling, warming? I mean, it's hard, you can't really say what it is, but to say that, well, I, these, these guys are idiots. Those things, those things are too high. I'm not, I'm not being stupid enough to buy them there. Well, okay. You know, th- that's an opinion, but that's like you going to the, you know, some fire area in, in California and saying, Man, that fire insurance is too high. I'll insure myself. Well, okay, and, and you and you you'll probably get away with it most years. But to say that the other people on the other side are idiots because the price is too high, I don't know. I mean, what I'm saying is it, it's not that you should buy it. It's you you need to look at it like it's educational. Is that a fair statement, Manny? I think so. All right. What's now that we, now that we have you? We don't have, we don't have Mr. Mike. Uh, what what is uh, what do you think the end game is? As we go from, let's say basketball, because it affects the team a lot more than it does football, at least on a yearly basis. Well, that may not be true, really. Uh, when the numbers keep getting higher, what do you what do you think all this, the the, the payment of, uh, you know, likeness sharing and all that kind of, what and everybody flying back and forth through these portals. What do you what do you think that's is it going to be a great evening out of teams over a period of time? My my guess is it would be yes. Uh, I, I think know. so, absolutely. I think we we started to see it a little bit this year um, where uh, teams are older now and that gives, uh, that gives uh, I think it's a good thing for the sport and I think it, it is good for parity. Now, it, it is weird, you know, there are some outlying examples. Kansas has a guy, uh, Brendan talked about the guy that's on Miami, uh, his name is escaping me, right? Charlie Moore, that's his name. Uh, who played for four schools in four years, essentially? Now that's got to be COVID related, though. Well, it, it could. I mean, for 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 uh, Charlie Moore, he went to Cal uh, randomly, and then his um, he, then he transferred to Kansas. Went to Kansas for two years. Then his father got sick, and he he wanted to be closer to home, and he's from Chicago, so he transferred to, to DePaul. And then I think his father got better, which is great. And then for his last year, he transferred to Miami, and he played his his last year in Miami, and he start was a starter on the team that you know the Sweet Sixteen team, or I guess they were a Lead Eight team. That that's kind of weird. Coleman lands on Kansas. Uh, you know, he started at Illinois, then he went to Iowa State, and then and then he's at Kansas. You probably don't want guys transferring every year. Not that I care, but well, the current rule is you. You can transfer once before you have to sit out now, right? Second I think time. that's right. And I, I think you're right. I think the COVID aspect where they sort of gave everyone a free one um, or a free couple, that, that factored in. So maybe it'll settle down a little bit now. 
but uh, but yeah, coaches are. Uh, I I I was seeing stuff on Twitter where uh, high school guys that you know not the top top high school guys, but high school guys that typically would be recruited pretty hard are not getting recruited as hard because a lot of the big programs would rather recruit. Uh, juniors and seniors in the transfer portal then recruit uh, high school high school seniors that are, are you know two years away from from being contributors where, where that obviously never used to be the case and I found that very interesting well the uh, you know just just as as people are I mean if I'm if I'm uh, I'll say DePaul maybe even Notre Dame because they're probably not as, as high in the high end of chopping board if they they're after these few kids this year now if, if one kid says uh, I'm going to Duke you know, they offered me something, and it's, instead of going Notre Dame, I, I guess I'd understand that. But if I'm Mike Bray, I'm going to say, if you don't start your freshman year, here's my number, you know, type of thing. I mean, I, I, I refuse to believe, like like you know, Kevin says, because Kevin, Kevin thinks a lot of this is straighter than me. But he's closer, and he, I hope he's right. Uh, I don't believe they have, at the right now. You you'll never stop recruiting. Well, I, I mean, I think. I think we all agree with that. I think if you ask Kevin, he would agree with that too. I think the, uh, you know, there's always going to be tampering. There always has been. There always will be. Whether it's a high school senior that's already committed. You can't tell me when a guy, when a guy all of a sudden reopens his recruitment as a high school senior that other schools weren't continuing to recruit him the whole time, even though he had quote unquote committed to his school. He hadn't signed yet. So of course they kept calling him. And then sometimes it, you, it, you know, something happens or it breaks down and they change their mind. Same thing is happening with this transfer portal. There's no doubt. Uh, it may not be blatant because, you know, if you get caught, it is tampering and, and there is, uh, rules against that. But the same thing happens in, at the pro level too. You're not supposed to tamper either until a guy is officially a free agent at a certain time. Yet all these signings happen at 12.01 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, wait a minute. Did you, you, you all picked up the, the phone right at midnight and, and had the contract all written up and signed in one minute? Like, how does that happen? Well, I know it's going to sound like dinosaur land, but when I was in school, you had the phone in the room. Right, I can only imagine having a roommate. <laughs> it's oh, getting like you get like fifty calls a week on the, the on the common phone. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't see how. Uh, for those that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure things have not changed. I Maybe mean, college hasn't. I, I guess it's changed in a lot of ways, but not. But by and large, when you're, you're you come out of, come out of high school, unless you are one of the people that's in an honors program or something like that. College is a reasonably big step up. I mean, I mean, hell, freshman year in high school is a big step up from, from eighth grade. I mean, in terms of you know having to, having to write papers and, and you know, you, I mean, it's, it's every every class is harder than grammar school, right? I mean, that's the whole idea. And uh, you see these guys coming in. Uh, we're talking about the people who. Eh, I mean, I want a percentage on it, but a lot of the people that are that are playing a sport at Notre Dame. If there's going to be, uh, how many people do you think come in freshman year that are playing a sport? 200, 300, something like that? Probably 50 to 80 of those people are at least as smart as anybody else in the place. The rest of them, uh, they might be as smart, but they haven't done as well. I mean, they would probably, if they weren't an athlete, they wouldn't be getting in the place. Is that a fair statement? I don't know what the percentages are. So, now these people drop in as a freshman, and the idea used to be, you got somebody coming into a place. By the way, they're going to be playing a sport, and maybe they're not as pre- prepared. I won't say as smart as prepared as the average person here. So the last thing you want <laughs> is to pour all kinds of more heat on the fire by having coaches 
contacted him, hey, did you start? Did you play a lot of practice? God, you would have got a full practice. But the last thing you need is that, like, every day, I, I think. But, but like Kevin says, they're supposed to, what, lay off totally to you put your name in the transfer portal and everybody can contact you, right? Isn't that the deal, supposedly? That's exactly right. Now, i got to believe that people keep touch, keep in touch. I mean, uh well, yeah. especially with texting now. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think with it, shooting each other a text, I, you can it's you can so easily keep in touch without, you know, like you said, a phone ringing off the hook and things like that that are more blatant. Of course, you can't cover up a text once it's there. It's there. It's there. But I mean, I think you can. I think you can send a text that that says, "Hey, good game last night." I mean, is you're you're sort of keeping in touch. Oh, thanks, coach. Appreciate it. But you're not you're not quote unquote actively recruiting. Right, right. But well, you're keeping in touch, and yeah. uh, you're keeping a relationship, and or you know, like how how, how how's your mother doing? I heard I heard she got a new job. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, you, uh, is that recruiting? No, but it's keeping a relationship. And then you know, there's back and forth. Maybe you're texting that guy once a week. Maybe it's you know whatever. I hear your mother got a new job. One of my best friends. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the season ends, and and uh, maybe you shoot a text that says, you know, hey, good season. Um, you know, hope hope things are going well. You know, just so you know, we're, we're, we got guard spots opening up. So you know, let us know if uh, if you're thinking about going in the portal or something like that. I mean, I'm sure there's gray area that you can that you can touch that they do. Well, do you think the the current? I'll use the term freedom. I mean, the, the example that I I wish I could remember this, but the, the Irish their opening game was in Florida State this year football. I believe it was. What, the, what was the question? The Irish, the opening football game was against Florida State down okay. there. I, th- I think it was. Uh, there's this tackle. Um, he came to, he was a freshman Notre Dame in 2017. Right? So he played 23 games over the next three years. I guess he was starting as, as a junior. And uh, he ended up, um, because he got COVID and got hurt one of the years later in the year or something, so he got that year back. Anyway, he's playing. He was playing for Florida State, uh, and the guy's like twenty-two years old, and he's a junior. He's got like two more years, and he started two thousand seventeen, and he played every year. I mean, that, there were there were a handful of guys in the NCAA tournament this year that were uh, twenty-four. They were quote unquote super seniors. So it happens when you have you get the free. They got the free COVID year, and you had a, a medical redshirt at some point. So, you know, let's say you play your freshman year, then your second year, you, you blow out your knee. So you get a free year there. Then you play your third year. Then you play your fourth year. And then you use your COVID year. And all of a sudden, you're there, you know, six years, and you're 24 years old. Like Belushi. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seven years yeah, down. I think there was, I think uh, there was like five or six guys in the NCAA tournament that were 24 years old. It's, it, that's, I, I doubt that's ever happened before. Well, you used to only get the guys from, uh, BYU because they did the Mormon thing. Right, right. Now, typically, uh, if you're in basketball, I would say, if you're 24 years old, that means you're not that great because you'd probably be in the NBA for quite a while at this point if you're 24 years old. But you can be a very, very good college level player. And be experienced, and then if if it's football, like you're saying, an offensive lineman, that's got to be a huge advantage. Oh God, yeah, uh, to be to be that old. I mean, uh, yeah, you, I don't know who, how you uh, even even guys that are were really are really really good. I mean, you know, guys like Tommy Thayer saying you're sophomore playing against seniors, it's it's rough. Lashawn writes in on Twitter, and you can follow us on Twitter at Stocks, the letter N Jocks. Uh, he says, quick comment on experience from earlier in the show. Last weekend, Hall of Fame horse trainer D. Wayne Lucas said, 
Experience is a tough teacher. It gives you the test first and the lesson afterwards. And that's about the truth. That's pretty good. Yeah, I just um, just wonder how, how people are going to keep this comings and coming and and going together. How do you how do you even maintain the academics of uh, of something like that? Again, I don't I don't know the. Didn't most schools, Matty? Now, when I went, no matter who you uh, no matter who you were, you you could amass a uh, a number of say say you went to Notre Dame and you and you did that you were there for or or junior college could have been anywhere. And then you decided you're gonna you're gonna finally you're gonna go to DePaul. You know your parents are sick or something. Didn't they m- make you take like everything in your major there to graduate or damn near or the last two years or you had to take a certain amount of these guys that are in four different schools four different years? Do they ever graduate? Good question. I would assume so. Well, I mean, what school is going to take three years of assorted credits from other people? Right. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how that works. I do know that uh, if you're if you're in your if you're a quote unquote super senior, so if you're in your fifth or sixth year, you would have had to have graduated by then, right? Yeah. There's no way around it. To your minimum amount of credits to to be eligible to play would automatically have you graduate. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> what Kevin says. These guys are in some kind of a of a uh, a grad program. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the older guys, there's no doubt that are that they're that are in a grad program. By which, the way, you missed uh, you missed last Wednesday's show. Uh, Russell was on talking about how the, I mean, the whole the idea is that you're supposed to when you when you transfer as a grad student, you're supposed to be able to go to a place that doesn't have the same that the place you're coming from does not have the same grad program. So, you, what's the point of that rule? Well, that you know, the, the idea was you couldn't just go somewhere else and play another year. Yeah. That if your school didn't want, I, 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 I mean, I was—I don't know what the purpose of it was, but yeah, that'd be like, uh, like you couldn't go to University of Chicago because uh, Notre Dame, I assume, had a, a business MBA, right? Well, that, that's the thing. So and that, I, what a dumb rule. Well, and plus, <laughs> it was like, I mean, really, you're going to go from Illinois to Iowa? Like, like Illinois doesn't have a, a graduate program that Iowa does. I mean, really? Right. I get that. I, I see both sides of it, but it seems like a dumb rule to me. It seems like you should be able to do whatever you want. I mean, who cares? Every school pretty much has the same thing nowadays, don't they? Well, Russell said they put together something in the business school that was uh, was some specific. It wasn't like hospital. wasn't hospital uh, management. It was something management that, we, that nobody else had. It was, it was a, they, they carved out a little piece of the MBA. It was like, like when I was at Chicago, they were the only, they were the only places that had uh, a specialty in hospital management. Now everybody's got one, and back then the only place that had a specialty in hotel management was UNLV, right? So, but yeah, but don't your, your school is not obligated if if you get the four year ride and you decide to stay there as a grad, they have to invite you back for the fifth year, or else you got to pay, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so, but I, but I think even if those they scholarships are they're annual, they're yearly contracts, right? Right. I mean, you could but all, most school most most schools honored as a four year yeah. deal. Uh, I don't know about most, but a lot. A lot. I mean, I, I think it's sort of like, you know, sort of the unwritten rule. Or, but they can make your life miserable and, and, yeah. and, and kind of push you out. But they won't. I've never really heard of a coach just yanking a guy's scholarship. I, I think it happens all the time. I think it does too. But I think it's done diplomatically, where they'll they you know they're kind of like, hey, you know, we we don't really see it working out for you here. You know, we can we can make recommendations for other programs, but we, the writing's on the wall. You should probably transfer, and then they do. I don't think anyone. I don't think a coach calls a guy in and says, "Hey, I'm taking your scholarship away. Good luck," and then just like kicks him out of the office. I uh, I'm going to say that 
at, at Notre Dame, I knew a couple guys that ended up their careers playing baseball when they just weren't going to. They showed up as a quarterback, and they were so far on the depth chart that he wanted to practice. They never took the right away. But I'm going to say in Alabama, that's not happening. You're, you're not you're not hanging around there using up one of those 85 slots as a senior with no hope of playing. Well, yeah, like I said, I think they're going to diplomatically get you to leave on your own. I don't think I don't think the coach says, "All right, this season's over. You six guys, you you no longer have a scholarship. Good luck," and just kicks but, them out. But, but it is one year renewable. They could do that. They could do that. Yes, I just don't think they do. But I, I'm saying, how many schools essentially give you a four year commitment, whether it's verbal or whatever? I, that'd be that'd be an interesting number to have. Man, I honestly don't know. SB futures down ten. As if he's down forty seven. So we're back down to where our lows we came in, but still not exactly falling off the board. Consider how much we were up yesterday. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, 
Baltimore Patriots action jacks. Time timeout. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. S&P futures down 10. NASA futures down uh, 47. Let's see if we got any stacks in the Dow. The Dow futures down 82. Uh, we don't really have anything crazed here. We got 3M down a buck and a half. We've got, uh, I think Salesforce was down. Well, no, Tra- Travelers is actually up 43, so they're, they're running at the upside. But everything else is pretty much down a little bit. The ones you want to, well, if you're in Dow theory, which I'm not that much into it, but last couple of days, the transportation average, even though the market was up huge, uh, transportation average has been getting obliterated. We have a lot of people with, uh, stacking like UPS. It's down from like 220 to 203 in, you know, a couple of weeks. I mean, all, all the, these guys, this business has fallen off, uh, for these guys. And, uh, like Kenny was talking about no sign of a recession, but boy, if you're a transportation average person who looks at that, there, there definitely is a sign out of those guys. Raise your care for them because mainland China is closed. Nikkei was up 51.2%. Hang Seng up 462. That's 2%. Uh, over in Europe. Moderately to the downside here, except for Cac Ron, it's down quite a bit. Uh, Dax down 62, that's 0.4%. Footsie down 6, call that flat. Cac Ron down 104, that's 1.6%. It's a pretty good move from uh, uh, those dudes. Uh, yesterday, uh, Dow was up 103, S&P up 36, but NASDAQ was up almost 2%, 271. Again, this was the this was the five FANG stocks plus Microsoft plus Tesla. Uh, we've got bonds up 6 basis points now to 2.47. Uh, Bund up six basis points, 0.57, a uh, long way away from negative. Well, half a point away from negative. Uh, Japan unchanged uh, 0.21. UK is uh, up nine basis points to 1.64. Uh, oil up dollar 17, 104.85. Again, we ducked under 100 last Friday, I think, and now we're back up to 104.45. Rent up 122, 108.75. Natural gas up 18 cents, 5.89 is its inching toward that $6 number. Well, last time it got there, it got there real quick. This time it's just going there like a little bit every day. Our Bob up 3 cents, 322. We got gold down 80 cents now, only 1933. Silver up 26 cents, 2485. Copper unchanged, 478. And we've got uh, Bitcoin up to 1287 now, 47,127, which has got to be really near the top of the last several weeks. Matty, what do you got for us, Trevor Weather Sports? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We're still under this dense fog advisory uh, up and down the lakefront. If you get away from the lake, it clears up. But uh, downtown is a very uh, dense fog to the point where we can't really even see across the street from out the window here. Uh, But it's uh, not causing any accidents, uh, but we are seeing traffic build steadily on all the area expressways. uh, So uh, give yourself a little extra time if you're going to be... um, anywhere near the lakefront because you can't see so you'll be driving slow only accident in the area is in the uh, northwestern suburbs lake cook road on the eastbound side at illinois 53 there is a crash but everything else is all quiet out there weather today uh dense fog early and then that will lift later on this morning we'll reach an overcast high of 48 and then rain is coming this evening and overnight right now it is cloudy and 42 degrees downtown for our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 93 today. Right now it's clear and 68. In sports, the Kansas Jayhawks are your 2022 national champions. They rallied from a 15-point halftime deficit to beat North Carolina last night. 72-69 to was the final in that one. The NBA was off last night. Back in action tonight, Bulls host the Bucks. Uh, Bulls in the home stretch here of the regular season. That's a 7 p.m. tip-off tonight at the United Center. 
Suns will host the Lakers at 7.30 p.m. Arizona time. In hockey, Blackhawks were off last night. They're off until Thursday when Seattle comes to town. Coyotes played, though. They lost to the Blues 5-1. to And we got some White Sox news uh, late night, early this morning. Uh, the White Sox have announced that they signed veteran starting pitcher Johnny Cueto. You remember him? Yeah. Uh, famously with the Reds and the Royals and the Giants, among other teams. He's just hanging around? Or where was he? He uh, was a free agent, and they signed him to a minor league deal. Uh, worth Could be worth up to $4.2 million if he uh, uh, makes the big league cl- club and, and uh, actually contributes at that level. We'll see uh, We'll see what he has left in the tank. But uh, Johnny Cueto, uh, now a Chicago White Sox. I'm going to say I'd be surprised. Uh, did they sign the other guy, too, uh, the, the, the Cubs star? Um, tell us his name. Hey, Jake Arrieta? <laughs> No. Uh, or me? Well, you know, you guys are all similar. Former <laughs> former pitchers that have had certain degrees of success and maybe have a little gas left in the tank, but maybe not. Uh, I'd say Jake has more gas left in the tank than me. <laughs> <laughs> Major League mound. Um, God. The, uh, John, I'm uh, good to hear your voice, bud. Um, I want to uh, quiz you on a couple things. I'm looking the the initial the things that people are doing to – He's lobbing his stuff out at Russia, and now they're saying that uh, uh, European Union proposed banning Russian coal imports. They still have a lot of coal-fired plants. I thought I thought they turned them all off, or were trying to, over in France and Germany. Britain, I think, still has some. Yeah, well, I think Germany, maybe France too. I mean, Germany has effectively tied its hands. I think energy-wise, I mean. It, I mean, it's impossible to harvest nuclear energy and fossil fuel produced energy. <laughs> they're limiting their options, so I mean, they're also limiting their geopolitical power too. But um, I think it's kind of, kind of you know fortunate that we've got this revulsion against fossil fuels. You know, now it's you know the city of Chicago has a you know self-imposed restriction on investing city funds. Yeah, I saw in that. Companies that deal in fossil fuels. Can you? Do these people go to business school, Tom? Well, I mean, I mean, but the natural gas is is like the the high. Isn't that the highest percentage of uh, electricity? We, we don't yeah. want we don't want electricity. I don't. Uh, well, well, and it's likely to be that for for the rest of my foreseeable life, and a lot yeah. of other people's too. But you know, there's this kind of sanctimonious attitude that you know, people higher up. Say you know we have to do this because it's the right thing to do, and even if we impoverish our populations and you know, destroy our economies, it's all for the good, and you know, we'll be rewarded eventually for being so high-minded. And I just can't tolerate that kind of thing. No, I can't either. I, uh, I, you know, it's it's uh, we can certainly have the 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 discussion slash argument about um, news, and I, I will. Uh, one of the lessons that I learned from the the COVID situation being, you know, being blessed really with uh, contributors on the show and a lot of listeners. I, I must have, how many Maddie do we receive for God's sake? I probably have, you know, 200 studies if I bury myself back in my stuff that I'll never find of various things on the COVID and things like that. And I'm going to say maybe it was a hundred. I mean, there was a lot of them. And I'm going to say that the, the best ones, the ones that I could read, it seemed like they were the less, there was less of a, uh, agenda all came from overseas 
where it just was the study, and they didn't tell you what to think about it, they just gave it to you. You know, whether it had to do with vaccines, we had to do with how, how contagious people are early on, and a lot of stuff I, you know, I brought to the show were stuff that people sent me, and it was, these were just plain old studies. They weren't, there was no conclusion to them, they just, you know, starting with the one where uh, they followed the kid every single day from South Korea, and they found out that for uh, one or two days when he first got it, before he even knew he had it, he was a, a thousand times more contagious than SARS, and uh, and then and he never even said he wasn't going to play. He said it wasn't a day he wouldn't have played basketball or done something. He, you know, he had a very slight fever one day only because they kept sticking the thermometer in his mouth. Um, so once I heard that, I knew we we had a real problem with this thing. We weren't gonna, we weren't going to be able to fight it because you didn't even know you had it and you're, and you're giving it to people anyway. But th- I'm saying we had. These these studies didn't really come from here. You, you very rarely see, and I don't know. I, I used to see, see the stuff a lot in the weekly magazines, John. That's why you love Time and U.S. News. There'd, like there'd be a war in Ukraine. I think you could probably get it on the internet if you dug around. But there'd be a war, and then all of a sudden the thing, the Time would drop on your house on Tuesday morning, and you pick it up, and there's a 12-page article in there. He's how many tanks these guys got. These you get you'd get this all in front of you, where the, obviously somebody had time to write the article and. And here's the map. Here's here's where Russians got you know forty forty thousand guys and, and uh, two hundred tanks, and these guys got two tanks. So you, you remember reading that all the time during the Israeli wars. You all, I mean all you had to do is pick up your your weekly U.S. news and whatever, and you had a a full battle map. You had a whole list of stuff people had. But now I don't I don't uh, you you don't really I, I would like to see you know my U.S. news and world drop on my doorstep, which is never going to happen from from cradle to grave. Man, you might you know you read a lot about this stuff too. I mean, cradle to grave, an electric car, starting with making the battery. What do you got to do to get the, the rare earth parts in the battery? Making the battery and, and what kind of pollution you cause there, all the way through to disposing the damn thing properly, and compare and not to mention the fact that you're still burning fuel someplace, going over the wires to charge the damn thing up. At, at the end of the day, I, I want to know which is worse, and I'm not so sure. That that isn't worse than a regular high mileage car. Well, it's certainly a topic worth debating yeah. Tom, and having honest, you know, scientific discussion about it. But uh, I I'm with you on that. I, I, and at least you know that we we should consider that possibility before we start legislating, you know, gasoline driven cars out of existence before we know exactly what we're dealing with over the long haul. It's one thing to to, to assume. That this is better, and it locked yourself into that viewpoint, and ignore the evidence that suggests maybe we're not on the right track, and then to accept something that we've you know tied our hands with, and we've made it impossible to go back ever again. I I, I find it unbelievably short-sighted and and kind of crazy to you know to talk about you know a scientific basis for all this stuff, but the the the, the gates on the the science are so you know skewed and so limited that you never really get a good scientific-based discussion about any of this stuff. It's all ideologically driven, and, you know, you, you don't get the good results when you got ideology carrying the show. Well, I think uh, I, if I was in an, a legislator somewhere, if I didn't have that information, you'd never get me to vote. I mean, what, what else am I doing? Take, take, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm finding I, I sit down on whichever whatever cheek lands first. That's how I vote. I mean, I, I, I need a something more than that. Well, and isn't it funny, Tom? I mean, we've, we've talked on the show before about you know how the you know 
oil companies effectively put electric public transportation out of the business and discredited it and made it, you know, despised in in hopes of getting everybody on the interstates and burning up gasoline willy-nilly. And now we've got the other lobbyists pushing back. Each one is now the only voice you ever hear. I mean, I'm just astounded at how people bought into the whole electric vehicle saga. I think it should be an option. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fine to have that as a choice and to work on perfecting it and making it more affordable. But now it's just it's the only way to go, and we've got to you know just make everything else that competes with it illegal. I, I find that even worse than what was happening in the fifties with the oil companies. Well, hey, John, you have a you've unearthed we're switching subjects here, but since we have you. Uh, Matty and I were talking about it in OIN. Jan is a, uh, he, he loves the deal on the census. Of course, he was, he was the guy they, they modeled the Three Stooges at in the one where the census taker, remember that one? <laughs> the only difference was I had an iPhone and they had a big book. Well, the only difference is that Jan's, Jan's 6'5 and it was, it was, it was the funniest thing ever. Curly's a census taker, Matty, and every, and, he, and he's, he's, he's standing out on the street and he's, and everybody walks by. Of course, everybody who walks by is some lady who's at least a head taller than him, right? <laughs> and he, 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 he jumps in front of him. He tries right down the second and they're like whacking him with the purse. <laughs> he's getting he's getting beat up. And every every lady is at least six two. And Curly's what five four. <laughs> it was funnier now. Anyway, so every time John says he, he did the senses, all I think about is that scene from the Free Free Stooges. But <laughs> but for those of you who have been, might have been listening, uh, the census details from 1950 have just been released. I. I heard that I'm going, there's got to be a story there somewhere, and I bet John knows all about it. So John was nice enough to dig through all this stuff. How he managed to find it, I have no idea. And, and dug out the spot where my my dad and his family was living in 1950. John, it's the name and an age in somebody's occupation. Why, why is that sacred knowledge for 72 years? Well, it, as you can see on those pages, every fifth line of the census um, requires additional questions to be asked of the person who's recorded on that line, and they appear down at the bottom of the page in the order in which they were excerpted out of the people above. So like people on line 15, line 22, line 27, get asked additional questions about income um, and ancestry and other things that used to be sort of always asked of everybody in the census. So in some ways, the 1950 census does not dig as deeply say as the 1900 census does but I, the only thing I can figure you know the thinking behind you know making these records private for 72 years is that the relationships that are in there um, may run counter to what people have believed or the actual individuals were told or thought and you know now all of a sudden the census shows them not to be the child of somebody but rather the you know a grandchild of somebody else or that there's a family relationship that that doesn't fit and it implies there's illegitimacy or adoption or some other questions that people felt were, were nobody's business until long after these had a lot of relevance to people it's the only thing i can think of that really involves sensitive information the, the you know how much people were earning or as they asked in the 1930 census how much do you pay for rent or how much do you think your house is worth? Um, all that, those are just funny numbers in 1930, kind of like they are now, too. But uh, the, the relationships, I think, were the, the critical and the sensitive things that people did not want exposed. Well, the, the things that were uh, you pick right up on, Maddie, are there's, there's four people living in the house, right? There's my 
grandmother, who I think was pretty sick, and she's from Ireland. Now she, how did how did they decide to select her as the one person they wanted more more details on instead of? It, it's where she fell on the list. You know, it, you would you if nobody was home that day, there would be a line at that address saying no one home. The census taker would go to the next line and, of course, make a a note that person had to be revisited, that household had to, had to be, you know, looked at again. But where you occur, every line has to be filled on the census page as long as you've got cases to work. And if one of the people in your household falls on line 12, line 17, line 22, whatever, they become the, you know, the person who's going to be asked these additional questions. So it gave them a, a sampling of roughly, you know, one-fifth of the people on every census page they really dug in and asked more sensitive questions about your background and your, you know, your jobs and the kind of money you made in 1949. And the other people that they didn't have the inclination to subject everybody to that. But it's, it's just the, the luck of the draw, or maybe the, the bad luck of the draw. Well, they were the only. They were the only. Maybe it's a weird thing. It's they had a bunch of houses that were eight. My family was 72 years old, so I guess it's over to protect. They lived on a. Fiftieth and Morgan, back of the arts. So there was there were nine, the address was nine thirty five West Fiftieth Street. So on this sheet, this guy hit he hit like three houses that were in the eight hundreds. Then he hit nine thirty five, and then he was off to the next block. So the only there's got to be on both sides of the street on the nine hundred block, there had to have been forty houses, John. Oh, yeah. Well, the other side of the street is a different enumeration district in that census. Okay, as I, right. as I found going through, well, they only the went to one house. The street. Uh, uh, he, he wasn't even looking at. You know, it's like when I was doing the census too. The enumeration districts. I never ever crossed Lawrence Avenue to do any census work, and I never went south of Armitage to do census work. That's just the way that the grid okay. has been laid out for visitation purposes. And when I was assigned work, it was always within those limits. And every you know couple blocks, just like a precinct in a you know a legislative district, is assigned an enumeration district, and they go every crazy boundary possible to get pretty much the same number of households within each of these districts to apportion the work for the census takers somewhat fairly. But if you know, there's, if he you know, I, I think in some cases, you know, like in your your ancestors' case. Um, that house had been visited several pages earlier, and there's nobody home. Okay. So that person, the census taker, had to go back and spot the places that had not been accounted for and visit only those. He wasn't going to go back to the second for the second time to people he'd already interviewed. So you get these crazy census pages where almost every other line has a different address on it. Not because that's, that's the sequence that they were following, but they were doing cleanup work for the people who hadn't responded in previous days. And if you look at the dates up at the top of these pages, they span sometimes two weeks of the census taker going back and back and back over the same area. So, so what if, if the uh, crazy patterns there where it looks like you know they're drunk when they're deciding which one to go to next. Well, I can see you being just, you know, I can see you being drunk product. as a census taker. I can see you being having a few cocktails before you went out and took the census. <laughs> I, I must say, I, I never did that when I was taking the census. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I wanted every win I had in my quiver to but it's, you know, it's, when I needed it. <laughs> what's, what's weird, Betty, is that there's four people living in the place. There's my dad, who's 29. He just got back from the war. Uh, his sister was older, his mother, and my sister's son, who's less than a year. And uh, so... My dad is immediately considered the head of the household, even though he's the youngest adult there, because he's a male, right? Which is interesting. 
uh, and my and my cousin, my aunt's son, is not her son. It's my dad's nephew because he's the head of the household. And what relations is he to him, not to his mother who's living right there? Just, just the way people thought was just different, huh, John? Well, and it's also somewhat you know personalized because you know, that was a self-identifying you know, position that you occupied. And in the, my dad's family's case, my grandmother is the, the head of the household. Really? Um, but that's just, you know, that everybody kind of thought, well, she's, she runs the show yeah. around here. But in other cases, you know, a, a, a widowed mother or a widowed father or somebody would say, look, I don't own anything around here. It's not my, I don't, you know, I'm just here at the, at the, by the courtesy of the next generation. So you see this all the time where the, the people who are lowest on the, you know, sort of power structure at the very end are the oldest people. After the head of the household, like a son or a daughter, and you know, all the children are listed, siblings, nephews, whoever's, and then the ancestor, the oldest person, will be the last one because they assume the least power in that family according to that family's thinking. And there was no stipulation on how you had to come to that choice. Who's the head of the household? It's like they took somebody's word for it. And whoever answered the door said, well, my, my mother runs things around here. She's not home right now, but I can answer questions about her. And you, the mother would be listed as the head of the household, and you'd take that information from the, the person who was there to give it, but that didn't make that other person you're talking to the head of the household. So what if somebody comes to your place, man, and says, who's the head of the household, and Venkman raises his paw? <laughs> no <laughs> argument for me. The dogs know the power structure better than anybody. Okay. <laughs> well, the, the weird part is they, they picked my grandmother for the, the extra questions, Maddie. She's from Ireland. She's an immigrant. Never go to school past fourth grade. No, no, no. That was the whole, that was the entire line. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was like, well, now the thing that they sent that I filled out, Maddie, did you get one of these things? We were, you were living by me and, uh, it had to be, was it three years ago, John? I get this thing in the mail and it's real thick. And it's from, it was before the census. It was before two thousand. Yeah, I got one of those. Did, did you? Did you? I, it, uh, well, I remember it told me to go to a website. I could have filled out the paper one, or I went to a website and I answered like, I don't know, fifteen questions or something. Well, the one I had was like was like sixty questions. It was everything? It was all kinds of crap. Where did you live? This where did you? Oh, used it, to? yeah, we. I got one of those too, and I, th- I don't know if it was for this one or maybe it was for the twenty ten census, and. It's voluminous. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing that, like that has the, nothing to do with the ten-year cycle. No, it had nothing to do with the census. Of, they're, they're always sending out questionnaires like that all the time. This was. I'm going to say this was a. We talked about it on the air. I, mean, I remember. I remember saying I just got my census stuff, and you had just gotten yours too, and we had both filled it out. And I said I don't know why I even got this thing because a year ago they sent me this thing. It was like you know, uh, you know, how, how long is your toenail? I mean, it was all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was a big booklet. And, you know, you know, was wages and how many people did anybody, has anybody ever lived in the household in the last year? Or anybody on the so? I mean, it was a. And I, I feel I don't know if I should, now is that seventy two years too, uh, Janet? That 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 or is that ever? Well, it, it would, that stuff is 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 often just you know it is data that and that goes into reapportionment. You know, so, so how many households are still in this district? It, it that the numerical information is available right away in, in all of those kinds of collection processes like the one you're talking about that stuff gets shared you know in in ways that, that decide whether this you know state loses a seat in congress or several seats or gains seats because it's it's data and it doesn't involve identities of Damn, we, people we only have 30 seconds i got one quick question is is the information good enough so when the, the aldermen are fighting over like one block do they know 
pretty much exactly how many people are on that block, or is the oh, information yeah. going? Well, in in, in a, you know the perfect world, I, you know, the trouble is that even like the questionnaires that that you responded to, um, a lot of people would just toss them in the garbage, and so if you, if you get you know data that isn't being you know requests that aren't being responded to, and people just toss the stuff, the census is losing a chance to get better data all the time, even just one. One of those things will will make a difference down the road. If everybody treats it with that same kind of disregard, then the whole thing is for naught. And if, then you get you know leg, like ghost legislative districts that don't have any well, I can, uh, I can see you near to people or or far fewer maybe than John. We got a dash, but if you run for a ghost alderman, I'll vote for you. Okay, <laughs> I know just the district to run from. Too, <laughs> SP futures down fourteen, Nasdaq futures down sixty. Uh, back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. Talk to you later in the week, John. Thank you, Betty. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.